0: Matthew chapter 28. Uh, if you don't have the Bible, we'll have the text up on the screens behind me in just a little bit. Uh, we also have some physical Bibles scattered around the room, little racks beneath the seats. If you don't own a Bible, we would actually invite you to take that physical one home. Uh, the reason for that is super simple. We believe that God uses his word for all kinds of incredibly important things, but chief among those important things is that he uses it to reveal himself to his people. Uh, we believe that he uses it to, to show himself off, to, to shape his people, to call his people to repentance, to build up his people for the work of ministry. All of these things that he uses his word to, to do. It's a it's a masterful tool in the master's hands. And so uh, if you don't have a Bible outside of this place, we would love for you to take that one home and start reading it and no matter what your resolutions are this week, whether you like them or not. Uh, man, that, that'll be the biggest win of my week if you take that Bible home and start reading it. Matthew chapter 28. So um, it's a new year like Roger said. And on top of that, it's even a new decade. Like, I don't know if I'm old enough to really make sense of that kind of stuff. Some of y'all are way older than me. I don't know if you know this. Um, I, is this the first time you've heard this? It's just, all right, fine, whatever. Uh, I know, right? It's, uh, at least the Patriots lost last night. Oh, oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love y'all. I'm trying to be a good pastor, but I, I did a little fist pump. All right, so... Yeah, I know, right? At least your team made the playoffs. All right, so all right, so the beginning of a new year is special for all kinds of super important reasons. Um like one of the things that, 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 that just comes with the new year is it's just kind of this we're coming out of the holiday season, right? And and I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to a normal week. Anybody else? Like, like whether you had family come in or whether you did the big trip, maybe it's the kids finally going back to school, maybe it's just a normal work week because you've had like these weird days off in the middle of the week the last couple of weeks. Like normal, quote unquote, probably sounds like a blessing to some of us right now. I know it does for me. It, it definitely does for me. And so uh, like, like, I'm just excited that I can drive back down to South Nashua around the mall again because I've been avoiding it since Thanksgiving. Anybody else? Yes. Like, there's all kinds of places down in South Nashville I love. I haven't seen them in two months. <laughs> but I now get to go hang out down there again, and I'm excited about that. Another thing another thing that the beginning of the year always, kinds of bring, always kind of brings with it um, is this ingrained sense of a fresh start, right? Roger got up here and said uh, that he doesn't do the resolution thing. Um, and so, uh, Tom, quit asking me for the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> There you go. All right, so, no, one of the things that, uh, that, that resolutions bring is, is just kind of this idea of a fresh start of things, and whether you do the resolution thing or not is, is irrelevant to the fact that, man, we all kind of feel this revived sense of go get them this time of year, right? Like, like does anybody not feel that? Uh, and, and listen, if you, if you find yourself looking at the resolution thing with disdain, it may be it really might be that you know, maybe you're aiming at things that don't last. We talked about the resolution thing in here before. Uh, you know, if you shift resolutions away from the temporary and towards the eternal, that it, it maybe changes the way you look at them and approach them and chase after them. If we aim instead at chasing after things that will last 10,000 years from now, resolutions might just become something that fuels you for God-glorifying things. And so, so New Year brings back you know sense of normal. It brings back a, kind of a, a, also a sense of new beginnings. Somehow those work in tandem, even though they seem like they'd be opposite things. Somehow they all come to a head around New Year's. But there's this third thing about the New Year that really kind of fascinate, fascinates me, and I just love it. Um, this is the time of the year that we get what we call the State of the Union Address. And some of you are going, oh, no. Like every January, the leaders of our fair nation gather into one room and they turn on the TV cameras and they play the politics game, right? And there's pomp and there's circumstance and there's, uh, you know, there's endless applause at every political party talking point. It's a good night. Like some of you would rather saw off your right arm than be forced to sit and watch it. But, but like those of us who actually understand what's going on in that room, in that space, like we actually love that moment. I, I kind of get into it. Katie's going to be on the other end of the house, but I am going to be plopped in front of the TV just with a grin on my face. I love that moment because I understand what's going on and I kind of see the narrative play out. It's a fun deal for me. But love it or hate it, Here's the, here's the reality. If you strip away all of the politics and all the nonsense, if you strip away all the politicking and the virtue signal, signaling and grandstanding that always comes with that affair, what you're left with is actually a brilliant idea. A brilliant idea. See, uh, I mean, think about it for a second. Get, get everyone who has influence in the same room and talk about how the year went. That's a good idea, right? And then cast vision and set goals for the year to come. Like, like that, that's a good way to lead an organization. That's actually a smart leadership move. It just goes to show you that, you know, politics has been ruined things for a long, long time. There's nothing new under the sun. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to have a sort of state of the church address. and, and I mean, we're all hanging out in the same place. Let's talk about how the year went, Right? And then, how about we set goals for the year to come, kind of set aiming points for what we think God would call us to to chase after in 2020. And I'll be honest, this is out of the ordinary for us. Like normally in this moment, we are... Uh, uh, we, we'll open up God's word and we'll spend a ton of time talking about and unfolding God's word. We're kind of proud that it's out of the ordinary for us. Like, like, like as long as I'm here, I want that to, to feel foreign. that we would spend a morning talking mostly about ourselves. But maybe as uh, sparingly once a year kind of thing, maybe it could be valuable. So how did this year go? Hey, we got slides. how did this year go? Honestly, it went fast. <laughs> Honestly, I think it went really good. Guys, we had a good year. Some of, some of us may have thought it was fast. Some of us may have thought it would drug out. Some of us had problems. Some of us had great joys. But man, I think this was a good year. Have we achieved every single one of the goals we set last year? No, no, we haven't. And we're going to talk in a little bit about some stuff that we really need to work on in the year to come. But, but man, by and large, we have a lot that we get to celebrate this year. A lot. Uh, for starters, um, we, we added a bunch of new people this year. There's a lot of new faces around here. Like, that's something we get to celebrate we 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 we've, we've pulled a lot of new people into our our broader church family and there's a, a lot of new faces that are beginning to press in here and begin to serve here and like some of them are even pressing into to full-term membership here and like like in, we're having a business meeting next Sunday night like like I expect to be voting in some new members Sunday night that's that's a good thing we get to celebrate the the people that god has brought into our church family and he's brought them in from all of these varying types of backgrounds and perspectives and skill sets and god is using all of these different people to strengthen and broaden the 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 body of christ that he's given us here that's a good thing he's god's been good to us that's not all he's We've also responded to financial needs all throughout the year. Um, not only have we responded you know, faithfully to a long list of special missions offerings that we throw out every year, our church is just so... Good, we guys, we, we got a good church here. Our, our church is so good to to these things that we roll out every year, uh, uh, like the Lottie Moon uh, missions offering around Christmas, and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions, and and the New, uh, New England missions emphasis. Like we roll those out every single year, and and our church is is one of the churches that like like denomination wise that they can always bank on like doing good things. Yep, we step up to the plate on those things every single year, but. But we didn't just do that. We also, we also created a list of ministry items through a Harvest Day offering this year. If you remember, I stood on the stage a year ago, and we said, hey, here's some things that, that we think will, across the church, help us make disciples better. And we asked all these program ministries and directors of things here and there to say, hey, what would help you make disciples better? Things that, that we would hesitate to ask for outright. Things that we would never build into our normal budget, but it's okay to save for. You know, those kinds of things. And so that's what we did. We created a long list of stuff, and... Y'all stepped up to the plate on that, too. From uh, a video training platform called Ministry Grid that we're slowly rolling out to the whole church. We we've begun training people uh, on through an online thing that uh, that we've had now for a few months. And man, God's doing some good stuff with it. Uh, we deacons have done some training with it. Our small group leaders have done some training with it, and we're, we're beginning to roll that out even more. Uh, there's a new soundboard back there. Uh, we had a coffee station that installed so you know that we could like do hospitality better. That's important to us. And through your giving. We can now do that, practice hospitality at a higher level. We even use Harvest Day funds to put diaper changing stations in the upstairs bathrooms, which seems like a small deal to do, but you know what that does? It makes it easier for young families to be comfortable in our church building. That's a huge deal. Sometimes the little things make the biggest impact. And through y'all's faithful giving, God, use your faithfulness to, to roll that stuff out for us this year. But your generosity didn't stop there either. If you remember, uh, we also had an air conditioner bust on us this summer, go, or going into the summer. And you may not know this, but um, that's a really bad time to have your air conditioner break down. <laughs> like, I'd prefer for it to go out in, like, September, right? That's the best time to have to replace the air conditioner. No, ours broke in May, so then we went through the summer without it, and y'all were, man, y'all were troopers. <laughs> By the way, we're going to do the Hawaiian shirt thing again. That was fun. <laughs> so what did we do? We refinanced the loan that we've been talking about restructuring for several years, and you know we added a little bit of debt to to fix that and to do the handicap elevator that we've we've got. It took us a few months. Um, to hammer out all the details, and we got a nice little deal that's gonna put our church in a healthier financial place for years to come. Like, like we 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 moved from something that was a little bit uh, restrictive to something that's that's actually healthy for us budget wise moving forward. And it took us a while to hammer out all those details. And you think that our church would you know, just be okay with you know waiting for us to to do that? But some of y'all started giving to reduce that debt before we even signed the note, and an extra ten thousand dollars came in so far that actually re- has reduced that, that note down even more than what we first agreed to. God has used your generosity this year to position us in a healthier financial place for years to come now. Not, not just this year, years to come because our church said, yeah, let's do something about that. Let's let's do something. And, and, and again, your your generosity doesn't stop there either. It kept rolling. Uh, we, we also had to retrofit that elevator shaft before we could install the elevator. And I stood up on the stage and said, hey, we can't do anything until we raise $7,000. And so y'all did it. it you said yes. yes. And God used you to to do a big thing. And we raised money for our church planting friends, Chris and Stephanie Harrell, to have their first several weeks of preview services in Milford. And we stepped up to commitments for long-term support for the Harrells and our friends Silas and Riley Thompson in Mongolia. So when you add everything up, like when you start doing all the calculations, our church family has shown itself incredibly faithful to raise an additional $37,000 plus for church life and gospel needs this year. This is over and above tides. We, we, we threw needs out in front of you and you said, yeah, I, I can do something about that. And God's people do what God's people do. Good job, church. Good job. God, use your generosity to push forward needed ministry both inside and outside of this building he used you to do that and so we've added new people and we responded to financial needs and those are important things but we also saw growth in the things that we called the church to in our 2019 emphases um uh, i don't know if you remember but we had our state of the church last year and I stood on the stage and we called our church to take steps of growth and discipleship on two fronts uh, to to do uh, the daily work of gospel conversations. To do the daily work of gospel conversations and B to begin raising and up and training others to serve throughout our church body. And over the last year, we've gotten better at both of those things, like measurably better. Um, Over the last year, uh, the rate of gospel conversations that were being reported back to me was significantly higher than the year before. Significantly higher. We, we began training people using the three circles evangelism method, and those trainings are now a recurring theme. We're doing them three times a year, and we'd love to do them more often than that. We also watch leaders across our church uh, begin to bring other people alongside to themselves to train up and raise new leaders, like from deacons to small group leaders to program ministries. There's a lot of new people serving in a lot of new different ways this year. And again, have we accomplished every single one of the goals that we set for ourselves or as fast as we would prefer to see? No. No, we haven't. But but guys, God hasn't called us to success. He's called us to obedience, right? And that's exactly how you responded. The slow, steady steps of obedience get us where we need to go. That's how life works and that's what God tends to enjoy using. And so we finished out That puzzle that we had sitting over here on the corner of the stage for a year and a half. A piece for every gospel conversation reported back to us. 244 gospel conversations that affect people's eternities. That's something we get to celebrate this year. We began training small group leaders through that ministry grid platform and through a a conference thing that we hosted here. We began training small group leaders to to breathe life into their groups, and we've actually had a, a couple of groups get started as a result of that training. So, like, numerically speaking, we have measurable growth in our small groups this year. God has clearly blessed us. In some absolutely massive ways this year, both through our faithfulness and, let's be honest, sometimes very much in spite of us. And so what, how should we respond to that? Like, what should we do in light of that? The best and wisest thing we could do? Well, let's thank the good giver, right? Hey, how about we take a second to pray? Father, we, we are small, and we are at times disobedient, and even in our obedience, we are always insufficient, but you are good. And for some reason, you find delight in our simple steps of following you. And so God, as we look back on the last calendar year, there's there's so much that we get to celebrate, but it's not by our hand. There's so much that we can point to and say, this is going well, and this is going well, and this is in a healthier place, and this is exactly where we wanted to be, and this is steps towards where we wanted to be, and there's so much that we get to clap and applaud and, and celebrate, but you alone are the giver of all good things. So God, let us be quick to give you the credit instead of taking it for ourselves. The natural inclination of my heart is to try to rob glory for myself, but it doesn't belong to me. Every good thing we have has come by your hand. Would you remind us of that over and over and over again as we look back on the year, but also as we plan for the year to come? We need nothing less in 2020. We need nothing less but your hand and your movement and your wisdom and your work in the year to come. And so as we talk about goals, man-made goals, Would you be the one that breathes life into them? And if necessary, override them. But in all things, glorify yourself through them. In Jesus' name, amen. So you ready to look at what I think God would have us do in 2020? I promise it's super creative and visionary. Those of you who haven't been along, around a long time uh, don't know why that's funny. It's because I'm not the super visionary, creative guy. Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Here's our text for the morning. Now the eleven disciples Oh, there it is. All right. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Jesus is talking here uh, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, hey, isn't that the text you preached last year at this time? And the year before that? What's creative and visionary about the Great Commission? I mean, you, just, you take away the, the last three New Years. Like, we've, we've preached this text like 12 times in my three years here. What's creative and visionary about the Great Commission? We've heard this before. The answer is nothing. Nothing. See, at the, at the end of the day, God's, God's people aren't called to be creative and visionary we're called commanded to make disciples of all nations the church whether we're talking about our church or some other biblically ordered church down the road from us the church's one job to do is to make disciples full stop now don't mishear me this isn't a kids get off my lawn moment um we can and should use creative means. We can and should use fresh ideas to accomplish our one job. In fact, I think a refusal to be creative and fresh with our ideas is actually lazy and might even be sinful, but, but fresh and creative ideas are never, ever mean, or ends in and of themselves. They are means to a greater end. They, they serve a timeless purpose. What we do here, whether it's something we've been doing forever or something we just want to get creative with and try for a month or so, whatever it is we do here, th- those, things either, those th- things either help us accomplish our one job to do, or they stand in the way of our one job to do. Every one of them. Matthew 28 is the measuring stick of our success. We have, no other, we have no other measurement. It's the Great Commission. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he, he gets his, all of his followers together on a mountainside and, and, he, and he gives them kind of a one last thing to do before I go kind of speech, right? And so he, he says, um, like, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I don't know if you've ever really thought through this, but that is an incredibly massive claim. Absolutely massive claim. Uh, To to channel C.S. Lewis for a moment, Uh, there are only three possibilities buried inside of that claim. Uh, Either A, Jesus is a lunatic and should be locked up as delusional before he hurts himself. Or B, he's an arrogant megalomaniac who should be locked up before he hurts other people. Or C, the dude's right. He's right and he actually does hold all of the authority that can be held. Now, if it's either of those first two options, delusional or megalomaniac, then our response to Jesus' words here needs to be, at the very least, ignoring him and distancing ourselves from him. But if it's C, if he's right, well, then whatever comes out of his mouth next carries an an all-authority-in-heaven-on-an-earth kind of vibe. It carries an all-authority level of expectation behind it. So what does he say? He says, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Make followers of me from all of the other peoples. He says, evangelize them, baptize them, disciple them, teach them to do everything I've taught you to do. Okay. Yeah, I get behind that. Um, but, but what does this mean for us in 2020, right? Like, like how does this flesh itself out for the next calendar year in the life of our church? Well, I've actually got a couple of ideas, two main ideas, really. And so here they are. The first one is this. I I think we need to take the next step in our evangelism responsibility, I think we need to take the next step in our evangelism responsibility, and that manifests itself in a couple of different ways. Um, For starters, I think it's time to go intentionally after your one, quote-unquote. Your one. See, the simple reality is that there are people in your life, uh, in your circle of influence, that, that you, 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 only you, are uniquely positioned to win for Jesus. No one knows them like you know them. No one can talk to them like you can talk to them. We we believe that God is sovereign, right? And and that means that that he is Lord and King over all people's places and things. We believe biblically that there's not one rogue molecule in creation that is not actively ruled over by him. The Apostle Paul in Acts 17 said it this way, that he has determined our allotted periods and the boundaries of our habitation. That means God has wired you exactly like he's wired you and he's positioned you exactly where he's positioned you on purpose. It's not some cosmic accident. It's the design of a good God who wants to use you for his good purposes. We celebrate those things around here. But church, At the very same time, in the very same breath, this also means that all of the other people around you right now are not an accident either. They are also wired, and they are also positioned by a sovereign God, and he has placed you in their pathway. They desperately need to hear the gospel, and you just happen to know it. Not a cosmic accident. The design of a good God. Oh, but you don't understand, Stephen. That's, that's not really my skill set. I'm more of a, a behind-the-scenes doer. I'm not comfortable talking to people about serious things. They seem like they're already so happy and have their life put together. I don't want to offend. So let me just say it as clearly as I know how. As lovingly and as patiently, but as clearly as I can. Hell is infinitely worse than offense. It just is. The the reason why we we waffle on that is because we've forgotten what hell is. It's infinitely worse than offense. We're we're not the, the scare them into the gospel crowd. We're not the bang them over the head with your Bible until they submit kind of crowd that... It's just not who we are. It's not our style. But the simple and honest truth is that our timidity to pull the gospel trigger is because we count our discomfort as more painful than their eternal destination. It's just the reality. It's bad accounting. It's a stick our head in the sand and hope the problem goes away approach to eternal things. It's not love, it's not respect for beliefs, it's a simple fear of man. Now, is is there a place for slowly working your way into a winsome conversation? Of course there is. Is there a gospel reason for uh, having the dozen conversations so that you can legitimately have a no-strings-attached friendship so that you can position yourself for a true gospel conversation? Yeah, absolutely there is. In fact, I wish you had more of those relationships in your life. But could we at least be honest with ourselves for half a second and confess that that's not actually what we're doing here? See, the reason—the reason we haven't pulled the trigger—is not because we're on the slow build-up with somebody. The reason is we're chicken. That's what's going on. It's just the simple truth, and, I, and I'm in the same boat. Ah, but it'll cost me something. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Like, do you want me to say something else? Sure, use wisdom. Be smart and pick an appropriate moment. But guys, dumb little excuses never stay dumb little excuses. They end up becoming eternal consequences. They do. They have eternal ramifications. There's someone in your life right now. You can already picture them in your head. I don't have to even call you to think about them. You see them in your mind's eye. There's somebody in your life right now that desperately needs to hear the gospel. And if you are a follower of Jesus, and I understand that there's some here who aren't, but if you are a follower of Jesus, God would have you, specifically you, be the one to tell them. Well, how do you know? What if God would have somebody else do it? Because he didn't put that someone else in their path. He put you in their path. It's your job. Because he is rich in mercy and because he loves them with a great love, he has given them a gospel witness. You. You. Ah, but I'm not really sure what to say. First of all, that's not actually true. If you believe the gospel, you know enough to repeat the gospel. Otherwise, we may need to have a different kind of conversation. But secondly, let us help you. We can train you. I mentioned the three circle stuff earlier. Like That's a recurring theme uh, around here. We've, we've got opportunities even coming up on the calendar already. They've already been booked. Uh, talk to me. Talk to your small group leader. We can do a, a personal kind of walkthrough. We can do something in your small group class. You're not alone on this, and no one here has ever asked you to be. God has given you a singular responsibility to your neighbor, but he's also given you a church family who loves you and wants to see you walk successfully. So find your one. Let's get to work. Think through a plan and actually begin to execute that plan. Figure out what your specific next step needs to be for that one person. Make a plan and start working on it. But but also lean on those who love you and want to help you. But listen, not only has God called us to lovingly pursue our one, I think he's also called us to go intentionally after our 99. That's not some magic number, that's just the rest of the crowd. See, not only does God bring people to you, place people in your sphere of influence that are unique to you, but I think he also expects us to go. He also expects us to go. Uh, In the Greek, the word go there in verse 19 is not a command. There's one command in that sentence. It's not go. It's make disciples. The go is just kind of assumed. Jesus assumes that an intentional leaving where you are to go and tell others about him will just be baked into the normal rhythms of your life. That's the assumption buried in there. And so the question then emerges, is is that a normal rhythm of your life? Do you have frequent opportunities to step out of your normal and make other followers of Jesus? And if it's not normal, what do we do to change it? Can I give you some ideas? They're just my ideas. You may have some better ones. This is something that could easily be folded into the life of your small group. Easily. Small group leaders, I'd love to sit down with you and think through how how your group can begin to practice this stuff, take steps in this stuff, something that makes sense specifically for your group. Our, Our groups are always at their healthiest when they are practice fields for what we talk about in here. Always. But this isn't limited to just our groups we can also do better at this as a church we got to celebrate a second ago how much money we gave to missions guys it's been a while since we went oh, I thought we did something last year and I thought we did something two years ago we can do better remember normal rhythms we're working right now uh, with a couple of for to plan a couple of family level mission trips for this summer what do I mean by family level? I mean that the whole family can participate. Like it's almost zero impact. Uh, we're, we're working with two other churches in New England, one in Massachusetts, one in Connecticut right now. Uh, where we're beginning to put the pieces together and figure out exactly what it looks like. Um, one will be about a week long and, and maybe involve vacation Bible school. The other one will be about a weekend long uh, and maybe do block party evangelism stuff. All right? Like I said, we're still working on that stuff. Uh, but but why, are we, why are we planning those things that way? Because we want to take away every excuse that always pops up in our hearts, that's why, and so we're going to give you lots of options I can't find time it's too expensive i'm I'm scared of flying. well, we're going to fix that. We can get in a car, we can drive it's not going to cost you a thing, and you can take the kids, and you don't need a passport and j b you don't have to get on an airplane <laughs> We got options for you we got lots of options we got easy options oh you want a big option well we got a big option too uh lord willing i'm gonna be going to mongolia in october come with me like seriously we got room come with me we've already got a couple who are interested oh but that's definitely going to be expensive yeah but it's also going to be epic (laughs) we'll be doing several things um but one of them is getting to hang out with silas and riley thompson that we've committed to long-term support for we're going to see them on the trip work with them a little bit on that trip yeah it's going to be expensive hey by the way now's a good time to bring up what our harvest day emphasis is for this year it's a good time to announce some things we'd love to call the church to, to prayerfully take an extra step of obedience financially and we're going to split that offering between two things. One, we're going to have a little bit of a rainy day fund because we don't want to get stuck with a $20,000 air conditioner ever again. That So have a little bit of a contingency thing. But the other half, it's going to go to offset the cost of people who say yes to God and go into Mongolia. We're going to do both. We, we're going we're to take care of ourselves financially, but we're also going to send. We're going to do both. We love missions around here and we never ever want expense to be the reason someone says no it's a weak excuse we can fix that so we will so not only would we love you love for you to consider prayerfully consider going but we'd also love for you to prayerfully consider helping others go Jesus assumed that this was normal for his followers. He just kind of folded it into a command about something else. So let's make it more normal around here. Yeah, we got some some great stories that we can point to in our past, but let's make it normal. What about all those who are physically unable to say yes right now? What about all the times in between going? Well, how exactly do we do we cultivate and fuel such a, a grandiose disciple making venture? Well, that leads me to the second major thing that I think God would have us work on in 2020. We need to fuel our obedience. The word is in there twice. We need to fuel our obedience with God given means. What do I mean by that? I mean that rather than some super creative idea that you. know, initiative cooked up down at the local business school. We need to lean heavily on the things that God has already given us to fuel these things. What are those things? Bible reading and prayer for the lost. God-given tools to fuel his mission. Now, don't mishear me. I said several minutes ago that creativity and fresh ideas are not bad when, when used effectively. They're, they're kingdom tools for the glory of God. What I do mean, though, is that man-made things they don't have the same staying power as God made things. They just don't last as long. We can get our best and brightest minds in a room and we can hammer out uh, some God glorifying ideas one after the next after the next but even on our best day with our best effort, we will only ever come up with a temporary plan. That's the best we've got. Even the best of man-made ideas have a shelf life. And so, it would never be long before we'd have to get everybody back together again and pound out another idea and we'd turn out this idea and we'd turn out that idea. and so long as we kept digging deep and pulling out magic, we could keep the needle moving, right? But I'll just be honest with you, my ideas aren't as always as great as I hope they would be. Is anybody else in that same boat? Nor do they come as often as I wish they would. And I'll just lay all the cards on the table. When I force it, it's exhausting. How about you? I think that's why you sometimes see churches or church leaders sweep in and make a bunch of noise and then fizzle out after a couple of years and disappear. Ideas are great. Lots of good kingdom works get done, but great ideas are actually a bad fuel. They're a bad fuel. Herein lies the simple beauty of God's design. Good ideas can can serve his plan. They can come in and point to his plan and get everybody excited about his plan, but they don't need to sustain his plan. There's a difference. The means that God has already given us have an eternal staying power. In what way? We say it every week here, right? that God uses his word for all kinds of important things, but chief among those things, he uses it to reveal himself to his people and empower his people for the work of ministry and call us to repentance and build us up and all of these things. Guys, I don't say that every week to fill time. It steals away some of my time. I say that because I desperately want you to trust it. to to lean on it and to base your daily living around it. This this is why we offer the countless Bible reading plans that we do every year. We're We're not looking for good little church kids. That's not the goal. No, we truthfully believe that if you'll press into the daily habit of reading, God will use that to blow you up. He will fill you with good things that can't help but bleed out of you. In verse 20, matthew 28 jesus says that our disciple making mandate includes teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you can we just be honest one of the reasons why churches all over the place and why christians myself included all over the place one of the reasons we're not very good disciple makers is because we're actually not very good disciples it's just the reality We don't press in, and so there's nothing to fuel. But the pathway to fixing it isn't complicated. It's not some elaborate maze. It's a simple pressing in through the simple tools that God has given us. He fuels his own commands for us. That second piece, praying for the lost, Again, it's so simple, right? But but this is how you turn a heart that's indifferent towards evangelism into a heart that desperately needs to do something about it. You begin making a regular habit of begging God that the people around you will come to salvation. I promise you, it won't be long before you begin to see the opportunities that God is giving you to be the answer to that prayer. It won't take long at all. He's going to do something with it. And, And on a church level, That's something that I can fix on a church level. I think we'll be in a healthier place this time in 2021 if we take steps this year to elevate that incredibly simple tool into our regular practice here. And so on our Sunday morning gatherings and our small groups and our median level groups on Wednesday night, we're going to spend more time this year praying for people that we know need Jesus. We're going to to elevate that and spend more time on that, trusting all the while that God will use it to move us to action. God has given us, called us to a simple task. Make disciples, full stop. But he's also given us incredibly simple tools to help us walk in obedience to that task. It's not complicated, it's just what we're called to. Like a lot of things in life, it's sometimes we just need to get out of our own way for a second and start doing what he's actually told us to do. I mean, that's, that's really the big problem in most of our hearts most of the time. Mine included. An incredible 2020. A year that we look back on this time next January. Really, might just be as simple as that. I mean, think about it. We'll, we'll each grow in Christ likeness. Our, our church will be healthier. The kingdom of God will grow, and our God will be glorified. Church family, that's a really good year. We'll get to celebrate a lot next year if that's all we get. And I'm excited to see where God will take us. So, how do we respond to this? Right? Like, it's a weird week for us. Normally, we spend a bunch of time opening up God's Word and and talking about it and showing the gospel through it. Like, we talked mostly about ourselves this week. So how, how in the world do we call people to respond to God's Word today? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, I, I think we respond by walking in obedience to the commands of our Lord, right? And I get it. That seems like a cliche thing to, to call people to do, but really, like, Can we just ask the honest question? How much has the Great Commission impacted your planning for this year so far? As you're filling up that brand new calendar, maybe you got it for Christmas. We got like three of them. One of them has puppies on it. We'll pick that one, shock. As you're filling up that brand new calendar, whether it's paper or digital, how much is our one job to do actually influencing its shape? Terry Dorsett, our BCE director, got up on the stage last week and threw out that old preacher adage that, that your calendar and your pocketbook will tell the world what you actually value. Follow Jesus, be a disciple who makes disciples. Press into him through his word, press into him through prayer for others. Say yes to those moments as he's revealing himself, as he's revealing those opportunities. For you to make disciples of your neighbors. You really want a successful 2020? Aim at those things, infinite things, rather than temporary things. And watch what he does with it. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. We'll have a couple of leaders down front here to talk and pray with you if that would serve you this morning. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you can respond to God's word this morning too. See, I'm glad you're hanging around, but the the unapologetic mission of Nashville Baptist Church is to make you a disciple of Jesus. So, um, what you waiting for? (laughs) Like, we can do something about that today. The Bible teaches, as clear as day, it's, it's the main push of the Bible. The Bible teaches that your sin separates you from a holy God. There's not a person alive, myself included, that could stand before the righteous judge of all the earth based on my own merit. Neither can you. I am not blameless, and neither are you. We are guilty in the eyes of the Lord, but God also made a way where there was no way. Jesus came and lived the sinless life that neither you nor I are capable of living, and he died sacrificially on the cross to pay the debt that you owe. He rose victoriously over the grave to unite us to the Father, and he now calls on you to respond to him in repentance and faith and you can do that this morning you can call on him as lord i'm going to pray we're going to sing i'd be down front here I'd i'd love to walk you through that step of repentance and faith looks like but let's all respond to god's word today father you're good to us more than we deserve thank you for your word thank you for a commission so great God, in my smallness and my desire to, to make something of myself and the church I lead, I sometimes make your calling way more complicated than it actually is. I've got ideas and plans and calendars and checklists and all of these things that good leaders do. But you haven't called us to walk that way. He called us to make disciples. And those those other things can help that, but man, they so easily stand in the way of that. Help us strip away what's not important. Help us redefine what's not important so that we can use it for what is. God, for those in here who love you and follow you, walk. With you, God, we really, really want a great 2020. But despite whatever plans we might make for ourselves, there's one way to be spiritually successful to press into the one thing you've actually called us to do. Help us respond faithfully to that. Maybe we need to repent of some things. Maybe we just need to press in through discipline on some things. We definitely need to to rest in your grace on some things, but God, help us walk faithfully. God, for those in here who don't know you yet, would you make yourself known to them today? Would you awaken hearts to know? Would you open eyes to see and ears to hear? Would you move this morning and expand your kingdom? You draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name.